You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ and this is The Overlook. Welcome back to season two. Thank you all for listening to these stories, spreading their missing person flyers out on social media and continuing to keep their stories alive. I am so thankful for all the support you shared to me via season one. And I hope that we can continue to share these stories so we can generate more tips and resolutions for these missing individuals and their loved ones. And now I'm going to talk to you guys about the disappearance of Marsha Lyle. Marsha Lyle is a 41-year-old African-American woman who was living in Seal, Alabama at the time of her disappearance. She's described as the type of person that brings joy to everyone she meets while always having a smile on her face. Marsha is a graduate of the University of Florida and a youth leader for her Seventh-day Adventist Pathfinders program. As for her religion, she doesn't drink alcohol or participate in drug usage. She was not involved in any romantic relationships. At the time of her disappearance, she was employed in the retail industry, and it was noted that she was a good employee. Now, Marsha Lyle disappeared in May of 2020. The exact date is unknown. But around May 3rd, her family became concerned because they weren't able to reach her and her voice mailbox was full. Now, none of her family lived nearby her, so on this day, the family asked that police do a welfare check. Police reported that Marsha was home and she was in bed and appeared to be fine. Marsha's family kept attempting to get in touch with her, but was not successful. So on March 5th, they contacted the property manager asking them to do a check. The manager states that Marsha was at home and she was in bed, but she was not acting as her normal self. Later, neighbors would report that Marsha packed her car and drove away sometime that very night. This was the last time she was seen at her home. Now, Marsha had a joint bank account with her mother, so family was able to track some of her movements via purchases she made with her debit card. On May 6th, it was determined that she was in Lake Pena, Florida, as she had stopped there and used her card at a gas station. On May 7th, she booked a week-long stay at Port LaBelle in LaBelle, Florida. Oddly enough, however, she left after staying just one night. And on May 8th, it's believed that she was in Jasper, Florida, as gas was bought at a gas station in this area. But this was the last time her debit card was used. Now, while this was going on, family kind of struggled to file a missing persons report. They originally tried to file it in Clouston, Florida, because that's where her mother lived. But she was told she had to file one where Marsha went missing. So the family went to Seal, Alabama to file a missing persons report on May 9th. Now, let's jump to May 29th, 20 days after her missing persons report was filed. Her mother received a tow receipt in the mail for Marsha's car, a white 2013 Toyota Yaris. It had been towed from a parking plaza in Jacksonville, Florida on May the 21st. The car was towed for abandonment. Being that the car was found in Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Department became involved and conducted searches around the area. 
Originally, nothing was found. But in July of 2020, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office revealed that Marsha had actually been caught on surveillance tape at a Walgreens store on May 8th. This is the same day that she last used her debit card at a gas station an hour away in Jasper. Families started checking hospitals in that area and even arrest reports in the Jacksonville area following the discovery of her car and surveillance video, but they weren't able to find anything. When the family finally saw the video of Marsha on Walgreens, they noticed that her appearance had drastically changed. She seemed to have aged overnight. Marsha was in her early 40s, but on this video, she appeared as someone in her 70s. Another oddity? She wasn't wearing her head covering, which is something she always did as per her religious requirements. Family has wondered, was Marsha trying to go to her mother's house in Clouston, Florida? Or maybe she was on the way to her sister's former house in Orange Park, Florida. As people are wondering, why was she in Florida and stopping in several different places in Florida? But no new clues or information has turned up. Her sister Shanice told Dateline, we just need a starting point. We're concentrating on this area in Florida, but she could be anywhere. Now, Marsha's cell phone has never been found, so family believes that she has it with her or had it with her at some point. But I could not find any information on if her phone was turned on, off, if the police were ever able to track it. Her family is very worried, and it has been noted that Marsha did like going to secluded areas to be alone with God, places like wooded areas. But of course, she has never been gone this long. Currently, the search for Marsha is at a standstill, and it's been over a year, and there's no new information. Now, Marsha's family has disclosed to the public that Marsha has schizoaffective disorder. It's also been reported that Marsha has an inoperable tumor that she has been living with for a few years. Now, this is brought up because many are wondering about the state of her mind during the time of her disappearance. Is it possible that she may be in a manic state or psychotic episode? Her mother and one of her sisters are her healthcare surrogates. They had weekly scheduled calls with Marsha. Every Tuesday and Thursdays, they spoke with her as a checkup. Now, Marsha had only been living in Seal, Alabama since December 2019. It's said that she moved there to be closer to her church family. So with that said, she had only been in that area for about five or six months when she disappeared. Marsha is described by loved ones as devoted and modest. Her sister told Dateline, she doesn't drink or party or even date. Marsha's single and has always said that Jesus is her husband. She even named her car Baby Jesus. So with that said, it leaves many confused. It doesn't seem Marsha had a very active social life. She wasn't dating, she wasn't drinking or doing drugs. So many wonder what sparked this need for her to get up and drive in the middle of the night all over the state of Florida and then just suddenly abandon her car and disappear. Now, let me break down a timeline that we have. On April 27, 2020, Marsha talked to her sister Bernadette on the phone. But by May 3rd, family had difficulties contacting her and her voicemail box was full. A welfare check was performed by the Russell County Sheriff's Office. The police said that they could see her in her bed and reported that she was alive and fine. On May 5th, family still could not reach her and her mother and sister Sharnif contacted the property manager to check on her. Property manager found her in her bed but informed the family that Marsha did not seem like herself. This very same night, neighbors report seeing her pack up her car and drive away. On May 6th, her debit card was used at a gas station in Lake Pena, Florida. 
On May 7th, she booked a room in Port LaBelle for a week, but checked out the following morning. May 8th, we know Marsha got gas from a gas station in Jasper, Florida. This was 12.56 p.m., and this is where her debit card trail ends. On May 9th, her family files a missing persons report in Seals, Alabama. May 29th, her mom receives a tow ticket for her car, signing the car as abandoned in a shopping plaza in Jacksonville, Florida. In July of 2020, police revealed they found surveillance footage of Marsha at a Walgreens in that same shopping plaza that her car was found on May 8th. Again, this was the last day that her car was used at a gas station in Jasper, Florida, which was about an hour away from where her car was found. So there's a few things that I feel we need to address when talking about this case. One, I feel we need to address the schizoaffective disorder. This is a disorder that Marsha struggled with, and I think we need to address it because there's a chance that she was making decisions that she would not normally make when at base level or when not in a state of psychosis. And I want to bring this up because family has wondered if Marsha was trying to reach them and just got lost. But because we know she has schizoaffective disorder and it's reported that she was behaving oddly at this time, I do wonder if there's a chance that she set out on her own with no intentions of going out to see family. With this diagnosis, an individual may have delusions on fixed beliefs despite evidence contradicting these beliefs. Individuals with this diagnosis may hear voices or see things that others can't. Sometimes these voices may tell them to do things that are out of character for them. Now, with schizoaffective disorder, a person could have bipolar type or depressive type. And from what I can find, the media reports that Marsha had schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. Now, with bipolar type, she could be experiencing mania and bizarre behaviors. This can include issues with maintaining her personal care, which may be why she looks so differently on security footage. Now, with schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type, it is common for individuals to get easily distracted. A lot of times, individuals with this disorder have a lot of racing thoughts, and they can engage in really risky behavior that they normally would not. I bring this up because I can't help but wonder. We believe that Marsha had her cell phone with her, but she was not picking up their calls. In fact, even before she left, she was not picking up their calls, and I wonder if she did this on purpose. Now, stay with me here. I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. We know she booked a room for a week and only stayed a day. But we also know that she was physically fine because after leaving this hotel, she was spotted on security footage in Jacksonville. My question is, why did she feel the need to get up and leave after only staying one night in this hotel after originally booking for a week? To pay for a week, usually implies you have some sort of plan to stay in a specific area for a while. And at this point, we get that family thinks, well, maybe she was trying to go to her mom in Clueston, Florida. But to me, this is still kind of odd because Port LaBelle is about 30 minutes away from Clueston. And if she was going to see her mom and she was planning to stay seven whole days, why get a hotel 30 minutes away? There for sure had to be hotels closer to her mother, closer to the area her mother lived in. Not only that, but... Some even question why wouldn't she just stay with her mother or why wouldn't she call her mother beforehand or answer any of the phone calls from her mother. We also hear that maybe there's a chance she actually was going to visit her sister in Orange Park, Florida. Now, Orange Park is only about 25, 30 minutes away from Jacksonville. But again, it appears that at some point her plan was actually to stay in Port LaBelle for seven days. That would mean she would be staying in one area and then driving five hours away to see the sister 
Now, we also have the fact that the trail ends with her car in Jacksonville. We don't know if this was intentional. However, we do know that her cars have not been used since that day. And we also know that her car was not stolen as she was seen in that very same plaza that very same day as well. It appears that the car was simply abandoned. From all the stops and the tips that we have from Marsha's debit card trail, it just seems like there's a little chance that she actually set out visiting family. From her booking a room for seven days, that's not exactly near either family member to her not answering her phone. And it seems almost purposeful, especially since we have police still welfare check and let it be known that, hey, family's trying to reach you. And we have property management to reach out and let her know that family is trying to reach her. And yet we still have her not answering family's phone calls. Now, there's definitely a high chance that her decisions were made completely sporadically, as we have property managers saying that she was acting bizarre when she checked on her. So there's definitely a chance that she could have set out with the intention to visit mom and just changed her mind. Or she could have set out with the intention of visit sister and then changed her mind again. However, there's something about her not answering her family's calls that makes that just feel a bit off to me. Again, she was not answering phone calls even before she set out on her trip. This feels a bit more intentional. Now, let's also talk about the driving because Marsha did a whole lot of driving between the 5th and the 9th. From what we know, she drove at least 14 hours. And that's a lot of driving, especially for an unplanned trip. That's a lot of driving if you're trying to reach family and you get lost. Seal, Alabama to Lake Pena, which is her first stop that we have, is five hours. We know she left Seal, Alabama on the night of the 5th, and we don't have her making that gas purchase in Lake Pena until May 6th. We're not exactly sure what happened in between that time. Now, in the next 24 hours, she drives about three, three and a half hours from Pena to Port LaBelle. And we know she rests here for a night because we have that hotel stay. Now, at that point, her mother is only 30 minutes away, but she gets up and drives five hours further. So her getting lost on her way to her mom's at this point, five hours just seems like a stretch. Her mom was 30 minutes away, but she drove five hours away. That same day, she drives to Jacksonville before abandoning the car. Now, I point all this out with the hours and the driving and so forth because this seemed like possible manic behavior. This doesn't seem like someone who was driving to her mom's home from the hotel she was staying at, and mom's home is only 30 minutes away, yet somehow end up driving six hours more before giving up and abandoning her car. Again, during this whole time, family was not able to reach her, and it's assumed that she had her phone with her, at least at some point in time, because her phone was never found in her home. And again, we know there was at least a two-day period before all this where she was at home with her phone and was still not answering family's calls. As of right now, there are no real theories about where Marsha is. Family believes that she tried to reach her mother or sister's home and got lost, but that's the only theory I have came across out there on the web. Now, there are many who wonder about the state of her mental health and wonder if this played a major part in her disappearance. Frankly, I am one of those people. I think the answer is more than likely yes. This case honestly reminds me of Monica Jenkins' case that I briefly covered last season in my episode about those who have been missing for years and were eventually found. Monica Jenkins is an African-American woman who was missing from Las Vegas, Nevada sometime in 2002. Monica had a schizophrenia diagnosis and she had been living on her own for some time and had a couple years of doing pretty well for the most part before struggling with keeping up with her medication and going through bouts of homelessness when she disappeared and her family could not find her. 
Now, Monica was found alive seven years later, living as a ward of the state. It appears that she stopped taking her medicine, and while living homeless, she was hospitalized at some point and then put into a nursing home under a different name, as she had given them a different name. I can't help but wonder if this is the case with Marsha. Is she somewhere in Florida or maybe in another state living in a homeless camp or living in a group home? Is she going by a different name? Is it possible that she is in care, but due to her altered appearance, which we know has been altered from the surveillance video, that she's simply under an unknown name in a system that has overlooked her and has no idea that she is the very same Marsha Lyle that a family is looking for because her appearance does not match the photos on her missing person flyers. As a mental health professional, I have worked with clients with schizoaffective disorder, and it isn't uncommon for individuals with this diagnosis to have delusions about being followed or tracked by various agencies or individuals. I bring this up because before Marcia took off in the middle of the night, fleeing her home, it seems that Femi was calling her pretty consistently, and then the police came by her house, and the property management came by her house. Multiple sources checking up on her within a 48-hour period before she packed up her car and left in the middle of the night. We know from the property manager that she was not acting as herself during this period of time. And next, we have her drive far away, book a hotel room for a week, but only stay for a day. It makes me wonder, was she fearful that she was being tracked? Was she wondering if she was being followed? To add to it, the whole hotel book for a week, but then getting up and leaving after a day, I'm wondering if this was her fleeing. All of this will also explain why the next day we see a cease in use of her bank card, and we also see her card being abandoned that day. In my own career, I have worked with individuals who have decided to be homeless by choice. They didn't like staying in the same homeless camps for very long. They didn't like sleeping in the same spots. Staying in one place for too long meant the possibility of being tracked easily. Some refused to accept cell phones that agencies would offer to them for free. They refused to use any type of card system, whether that was debit card, EBT, anything they felt that could track them, preferring to only live off cash. Oftentimes with these individuals, then they would come in contact with different agencies and you pull their name up in different systems, you will find that they had several aliases. They gave different variations of their names each time they came in contact with services, whether it was a charitable organization, jail, or the hospital. As I dive deeper and deeper into this case, I wonder if this is the case for Marsha. She had been living on her own in Alabama for a couple months now, and I'm wondering if there was a disturbance in her medication. And I'm wondering if she had paranoia that was building up. Things like having the police check on her, family constantly call her, property manager reach out to her, and she felt that she needed to run. And I want to make it very clear that I'm not blaming family, police, or anything. These are the things that you do when you can't contact someone you love. You go and check on them. You reach out to your different resources to check on them. I do believe family did what was right. But I can't help but notice that from the tips and clues that we have, the behavior seems somewhat manic or somewhat paranoid. And as you guys know, I am not big on throwing mental health and mental illness into a case and immediately assuming that a person is having a psychotic break just because we know they have a diagnosis. But in this particular case, we do have people noting that she was acting bizarre and then the incidents that follow match up with some of the symptoms that we know can come along with her diagnosis. But the fact of the matter is we don't know. We don't know where Marsha is. We don't know why Marsha left. But I hope one day that her family can find out the truth. 
and that she can be reunited with her loved ones. So I ask that if anyone has any information on Marsha's disappearance, to call the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office at 904-630-0500, or you can reach out to the Russell's County Sheriff's Office in Alabama at 334-664-9855. Now, as always on my Instagram, I will have pictures of Marsha and I will again have the sheriff's department's numbers where you can contact and call in tips up on my Instagram page. You can also head over to my website at www.theoverlookedpodcast.com and click through the blog section and you can actually read through my blog post and click on some of the different articles I use while covering this case. Now, that's all I have for this episode. As always, stay safe, stay vigilant, and I have a new episode for you guys next Sunday. Bye. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.